Today we're continuing in a four-part series on discipleship. And uh, each Sunday is a different focus on an aspect of discipleship. Last week we talked about prayer, and this week is going to be about the Scripture. So my intent was, rather than always just giving you my perspective, and these four topics that are um, time-enduring, I wanted to offer different kinds of perspectives from different people's backgrounds. So in, in one sense, it's like a series of testimonies of what God has done in the lives of these people. So I'm trying to bring up different people each week to get a, a different perspective. So today we're inviting um, Pastor Neil Pinner. He's been with our church for a number of years. He's uh, long in the tooth here. And um, he's my right-hand man, associate pastor. <laughs> And Neil is in, is in charge of our discipleship, and so I thought it would be a great opportunity for him to come. Uh, Neil shows up here before God does on uh, every morning, <laughs> early, early, and wanting to spend time with God at the study of His Word, and I'd like you to hear his perspective. Another person we have on the docket today is uh, John Kenny, and uh, John, if you'd come up. John, I picked him. One of the questions I want to ask John, like if you're as old as the hills uh, and you've been with God all these years, studying his word daily, weekly, yearly, how do you find new things in there? Like, isn't, haven't you done studying? Haven't you read through the Bible a number of times? And uh, so I want to get his perspective because he's been in God's word um, longer than I have. Uh, the other person I'm going to ask to come up, we actually had two other people on the list today, and they've both been sick with COVID and with um, pneumonia. Mm -hmm. So I've asked my wife if she wouldn't mind filling in to bring a perspective from a woman's perspective or just from a... Yeah. So the, the focus is on the Word of God, and um, I was thinking through this this past week, and I realized that, you know, without the Word of God, we have nothing to go on in terms of who God is, what He's like, how He works, uh, His ways, His purposes, His character, His nature. We, we would have to guess at who God is. And I know God can reveal Himself through His creation, through nature, um, through people, through prayer, through the Holy Spirit. But the Word of God is what gives us actual information about God's history with mankind. And so I'm going to ask uh, each of these um, helpers today, <laughs> Uh, why is knowing the Word of God important to you? And I'm going to ask, uh, ask Neil to start off with. What would you like? Why is the Word so important? It is my life. Out of my relationship with Jesus, I don't know where else I would go because to me, my fellowship in prayer is fellowship in the Word. So I ask Him to speak to me, and He speaks to me through His Word every day. So... To me, it's life. Uh, Kim, why is the Word of God important to you? Well, it's the Word of God. As Neil said, that's where I meet Jesus. That's where Jesus encounters me, where he um, guides me. It's, it's also my anchor. Um, Hebrews chapter 2, Paul, the writer of Hebrews, says, you know, if you are not um, careful to be learning... How did he say it? Let me get it exactly right. Um, he said... Um, if you are not uh, careful to hold to the truth, to listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, you might drift from it. And 
in the current of our culture, if that, the Word is our anchor to God's ways, to God's truths, to God's yeah. principles, and we will drift. Yeah. It's inevitable. If we're not daily, if we're not regularly in God's Word, we are drifting. John, how would you answer that? Uh, the Word of God, it's uh, like a road map. Mm-hmm. A road map to guide us on life's journey. Like a GPS, it sets out uh, the best course in life to get us to where we want to go. And uh, when we get off course, it says correction, correction, <laughs> and give us a new direction <laughs> to go back to the beyond course. Amen. And uh, I'm so thankful that we can continually refer to the Word of God. And, uh, and these days, there's so many people uh, writing books about the Word of God, but I like to go directly to the Word. Amen. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it was, but my parents, I think, had me memorize Psalm 119.11 first. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Why that verse? (laughs) But if I don't have the word of God in my heart, I I don't know what his expectations are. I don't know what his standards are, or I don't know what his guidelines are. If I don't have his word in my heart and mind, I don't have anything to draw from. Like you say, an anchor. Let me ask you, um, do you have a discipline of memorizing specific verses? Do you memorize the scripture? Why or why not? Who would like to start? Go ahead, John. Age before beauty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Discipline and memorizing special verses. I can remember uh, a long time ago when I committed my life to the Lord, and uh, there was a, a friend of mine who became a very good friend of mine, Don Laurie. He was with the Navigators, and they have a scripture memory system. You have a little pocket full of memory verses, and every day you refer to them, and uh, we learn your first hundred verses, and they give you a pat on the back, but uh, it, it was so important in those days. I've been raised in a Christian home, and I knew, you know, lots of scripture verses, but to constantly bring them to mind, it, uh, it's real encouraging even now. When you get old and lazy and don't do it, uh, you, these verses still come to mind. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Neil, what about you? Do you memorize scripture often? Yes and no. So basically for me, when I come to God's word in the morning and I'm saying, Lord, will you speak to me through your word? Not every day a scripture really pops out, but in some days it just stays with me. And so right now, you know, it's your yoke is easy, but your burden is light. Mm-hmm. And that God just keeps, that's on my mind and heart. And mm-hmm. next, you know, it could be two weeks down the road, there's another verse. And it just, it takes hold of me. So I'm not memorizing it for the sake of I need to memorize but it just becomes part of my life and so yes I memorize but it's not a thousand in a week or anything. <laughs> well, I know um, that um, it helps us focus and yeah. you know what are we filling our mind with mm-hmm. otherwise uh, YouTube videos TikTok you know what are we spending our time in uh, and do those like, the Bible says that these are the words of life and David says, on, on your words I meditate all day long. Yeah. I just, he wants them to permeate his mind and his soul and his heart. How about you, Kim? Well, 
memorizing God's word back when I first became a Christian, um, I remember struggling with certain temptation. I was in my teen years and um, went to, well, how, how did Jesus deal with temptation? And I remember going to the passage where Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And, then, and that was, I clearly recall, the first time I think that God just opened the scriptures and like laid out an outline for me. Like I just saw, not just that he quoted scripture, because scripture is the weapon by which... Um, you know, that we can fight back against all of the enemies of our soul, the world, the flesh, and the devil that are trying to drift us into a cultural current that is far from God. And, and that word of God is the truth that anchors us. And when it's in our mind, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will bring to mind the things I've taught you. We've well, got to put them in there first. So the Holy Spirit's got something to work with and that he can bring those scriptures back to your mind and and so I was kind of into systems back then, and, and I remember I had all these cards, and, um, and there were times when I was struggling with a particular issue, like anger in my life, and I just listed all these scriptures about anger. I still have them in my mind, and let me tell you, through the word, another reason why the word is so important to get into our life is because Jesus, like um, Paul talked about the washing of water of the word. The word washes out that which is um, based on lies of the devil, lies of Satan, and, and replaces it with truth and with what is right and with pure and what is good. And if we're not getting it into us, it's part of how the Holy Spirit works out those things and works in the fruit of the Spirit. So there's this question that keeps, thank you, uh, keeps coming back generation after generation. How do we even trust that the Bible is true? I mean, there's some 40 authors written over uh, 1,500 years, and some council of wherever in Trent decided to, to make uh, these 66 books are approved, and they became our Bible. Is it just a construct of men? Is it um, just a compilation of books? Uh, that they threw together, how do we trust that this is actually the Word of God Himself? Who wants to tackle that one? <laughs> how much time you got? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess for me, when I think of the Word of God, I trusted Jesus before I actually knew the Word of God. Hmm. So God would reveal things to me, and I would read it in the Word, and it was that transformation. But now, as I go back and I think of Second uh, Peter, but know this, first of all, no prophecy of Scripture became a matter of someone's own interpretation. Mm. For no prophecy was ever made by the act of a human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit. And that helped me understand the Word of God. So, first, experientially, mm. I took His Word at what it said, and then somehow I could find out, I could trust him. Jesus even approved and endorsed the word of God mm -hmm. in the scripture. So then I'm like, okay, Jesus, you're endorsing it. And as my Linda's uncle said, you know, I never caught Jesus in a lie. My life, I just always, I trusted him at his word, not knowing mm -hmm. the arguments of the word of God, but that it was reliable that anything he said, I could trust him in. Mm -hmm. So then I would memorize 2 Timothy uh, 3.16, which you all know, all scripture for those. Given by inspiration. Yeah. 
So a lot of people memorize this verse. Uh, let me read it uh, so I get it right for first time. All scripture is God-breathed or inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, rebuke, and for correction, and training in righteousness. So again, I just trusted the word of God as what he said, and he always came through. When he said, like when I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't know about forgiveness, but I said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Come in and take control. And I had this peace. I had a lot of guilt as a teenager, <clears throat> rightly so. Uh, police reminded me of it, uh, of the things I've done wrong. But when I asked Jesus to come in, that guilt was gone. <clears throat> I had peace. I had no understanding of the scripture in that, but it was true. I had a lot of addictions. <clears throat> and Jesus said, I come to set the captives free. When I prayed to give my life to Jesus... I was set free. And I was like, whoa, God is real. And so I don't go to the word of God and argue it, as some people are very good at doing. I just say, will you test God on this? Will you trust Jesus? And watch what he does when you trust him with the word of God and obey it. Because it is true. And it just found truth in my life. So I'm not, I can't argue it. Maybe John can argue the argument of the scriptures. I can't. I just know it is so real in my life that it transformed me when I trust his word. So I need to be in it. Sorry, I'll stop preaching. So when that verse, 2 Timothy 3, 16, was written, there, there wasn't a New Testament. That's right. They just had the Old Testament scriptures to work from. And we know that Christ quoted at least 40 times from the Old Testament. And, and in doing so, he's saying that they're authoritative. Yeah. They are true. And mm-hmm. he talked about Moses writing the, the Pentateuch. He, he talked about uh, references throughout the Old, Old Testament. So when, when Jesus, who is truth, endorses yeah. the, the known scriptures at the mm-hmm. time, uh, we know that uh, it's verifiable. And we... we and then the New Testament, where all, all the books in the New Testament were written by eyewitness accounts. Yeah. They say that there's more eyewitness accounts of Jesus than there are of Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. We can prove that yeah. Christ existed uh, as, as like 15, where's my, I have a number here. Five, over 5,000 manuscripts yeah. have been written about the New Testament alone and, um, and from the last 2,000 years. And they're all verifying eyewitness accounts. And so... Um, if you can put a book together of 66 books over 2,000 years and multiple manuscripts and to have a deadly accuracy in the translation, letter by letter, point by point, uh, there's no other book in the entire world that has had that much scrutiny. Amen. Um, any other things that, how do you know it's true? Any other thoughts come to mind? How do you know that you can trust that the Bible is true? Well, I kind of, go ahead, Joe. Okay. Sorry, we keep going at the same time. Ladies first. I, I kind of want to pick up on what Neil said in that um, when it comes alive, yeah. um, you know, because I've studied all the arguments for why the, this is a miraculous book, and I can spout those off. But what really makes me come back to this book is that it comes alive. And you know God is working in your life when you've got a hunger for this word, yeah. and you just want to be in it, and when you have those aha moments where the Holy Spirit just applies directly these words on the page to a situation in your life and just opens your eyes, um, which he's done over and over again. And even in those dry times, those times where you read the word and it 
nothing much is hitting you. I kept going back. I could, I, like, because I knew this is where I would find my hope. This is where I found my encouragement, my direction, my guide, and my, um, as I said, my anchor in a really chaotic, confusing world. Amen. Another thing is that the prophecies, say, in the book of Daniel and Isaiah 53, they all came true. Those prophecies written hundreds of years before Christ came, uh, before empires came, before there was Romans and Greeks and Babylonians, these prophecies have come true. And it's like, okay, they're verifiable. Also, the archaeological evidence, one after another, after another, after another, the people mentioned throughout the scriptures, the place names, they're all being verified one after another. And it's like, how much proof do you want that this wasn't just thrown together by a bunch of guys in a back room wanting to trick everybody? And I guess probably the biggest key for me is when you have the disciples themselves being martyred for what they believe, that Jesus did come, that Jesus did live, that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and then they're willing to die for that. People don't die for a lie. They don't die for a trickery. Uh, They put their lives on the line saying, no, we we know, we saw, we were there. the other point is if you believe that there are errors, like what do, what do these words infallible and in, inerrant mean? I don't want to spend too much time here, but they're important words. Yeah. Neil, what, do you, what could you define that? When I think of inerrancy, I mean, we can say there is, there is no mistake from the original manuscripts. We could say, oh, translated down, we might have missed something. But it's still referring to who Jesus Christ is. That message from Genesis to Revelation yes reveals mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And I love that, what you're saying about it. the prophets, every, all the prophecies that were fulfilled, it is inerrant. It is proven again and again. And there are people that try to argue finding those mistakes and you know, showing it. And I'm like, where? It just continues to point Jesus Christ. So, yeah. An issue that I grapple with is that if you decide that mm, not so big on Jonah and the whale thing, not so big on parting of a Red Sea or all of these miraculous things, when you start picking and choosing what you want to believe, uh, it doesn't stop. Yeah. And you can, and, and, and in the end, if we start saying, I don't like that, I don't like that, uh, that doesn't make sense to me, we become the authority. We become the one, we might as well write our own Bible if we're going to throw out what God gave us. Let's just write our own and, and live by that because we become the judge of God's words. And we set ourselves up as more authoritative than he is when we start questioning the words he's given us. But I do like the fact that the, the word of God is living and active. Yeah. Uh, there's a verse in the beginning of John and it says, uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. What does that mean? How do you, how do you grapple with that? If, if the word we're reading is God and was God and lived among us, what does that do for understanding the word? John, <laughs> do, you have the a, first do you have a thought on that? <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> how, does it, uh, how does it impact your view of Scripture if you know that the word was with God and the word is God? Well, uh, for me... A lot of the uh, scripture, even if you don't understand it, uh, you, today we have to prove everything in court. It's true or false. And uh, I found out over the years, if you uh, test, to try the word of God, and say it, the word of God says, Jehovah God, my provider. And uh, so 
years ago, this became very precious to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we raised seven children, and uh, my wife didn't have to go out to work, and God always provided all these years. And so I can just reflect back on some of these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the early days when uh, I was uh, committed to Christ uh, completely, and in Sunday school, I took a job as Sunday school teacher and uh, consistently learning the Word of God through personal study gave me the confidence to trust Him in things that yeah. I didn't understand or didn't know. You said it, I believe it, that's good enough for me. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, when I think of the, the I was just, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, the, the Word, and I was reading it, and I'm like, that Logos, they thought this was the philosophy of all reason, anything, all the answers was found in Logos. And then I read it in a fresh way a couple weeks ago, the word. All, anything, any question I have, anything that's confusing is all found in Jesus. It's actually found in the word of God. So any question this world has to offer, any battle, (laughs) any struggles, it's all found in the word of God. So it just came with greater authority when I read the word was God. The word was with God. And it just came alive again. So, yeah, it's, it's powerful. Yeah. couple of quick uh, questions. What's your favorite Bible translation? Kim? Favorite? Oh, oh yeah. No, John. John. No. What's your favorite? Uh, I have to continually translate the King James into today's. Uh, <laughs> 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 I, I've got three Bibles there, and uh, I'll read it in some of these today versions. And I go back, what did old King James have to say, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, because I learned so many verses in King James, mm-hmm. it uh, seems more precious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kim, how about you? What are you, what are you currently reading? I currently use New Living. Um, because I've used lots of translations. And if I'm studying like for purpose of teaching, I use many translations. But um, definitely I want a translation that is, uh, goes back to original languages, um, it, like the Greek, the Hebrew and is as faithful as possible to the original intent of the author. But New Living puts it in very modern flow of language, which I really like, Um, but I've used NIV. And when I was a brand new Christian, I didn't know any better, and I went to buy a Bible, and I bought a King James Study Bible. And I don't know how, but the Lord still got, you know, he still taught me things through the King James, and I didn't realize, oh, there's other translations out there. I didn't know there was an option until somebody set me straight. But, uh, yeah, so. I did the New American Standard because that was the era, which is Mm -hmm. the closest translation to Greek. Uh, But now I'm just picking up the New Living Translation. So I'm going to try to read in a freshness. But I quote scriptures in New American and NIV because that's where I grew up as a new believer. But I'm trying something different now, so... And Again, I think God speaks. I think there's value in switching it up every so yeah. often because when you read it in a new translation, it's like different things come out from very familiar passages <coughs> that you've read over and over. Yeah, I, uh, the study Bible uses New King James, which updates it a bit, but also today's contemporary or contemporary English translation and yeah. New Living I like as well. Um, but it, we have to understand that God didn't write the book in English. Exactly. You know, he didn't write it in French or Tagalog. Mennonite said it was German. Maybe German. (laughs) But everything we have is not only a translation, but an interpretation 
of what the Hebrew or the Greek would have said. So that's why there's so many different ways of understanding verses is trying to pull out the nuances of what a verse might, the range of meanings that a verse can have or words can have. And so it's nice to read around. If you like the amplified version, I mean, that'll take you four times longer to read because it tries to bring out all the different variances of a word in a sentence. It's very colorful and insightful. Uh, okay, quick question. Do you prefer reading uh, the Bible on your app or in a book? I'm app. Your app? <laughs> I'm book. And that book? <laughs> I'm with you, John. I'm book. Because I got to write in it. And it's dated and it's underlined. And, and I'll come across a date and I'll remember what God said to me then or how that was important to me then. Um, yeah, it's, there's something about the physical flipping through and, and seeing the record of God's activity in my life through. A couple more questions. We don't have a lot of time today because we have to fit in a lot in the service, unfortunately, because this is a really important topic. But how does the Holy Spirit reveal to you the truth of God's Word? Because often we will read a, uh, read a chapter, we done, we checked it off, read it, read it, read it, read it, but we don't stop and let the Holy Spirit kind of take that and bring it into, what do you have to do to, to get to the place where the Holy Spirit has that freedom in your life? That's a long question, sorry. To me, it's my fellowship in prayer leads me in fellowship of the word. And we've been walking through one of my life groups in this sort of approach of saying, I don't want to dissect the word of God because we love dissecting. We want to understand it. We study it. And I'm like, allow the word of God to speak to you. Mm. And so just listening as you read the word of God. To me, it's, I need to be willing to set a time aside mm-hmm. and just be in fellowship with Jesus and allow that word to speak. So. John, how does the Bible speak to you? How does the spirit take the words on the page? And... Yeah. Well, the scripture is very good. Uh, commenting on itself and uh, it, it says the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God and uh, I like it when we can have the confidence of going uh, in a situation of life Lord what, what, what do you really want me to do here and uh, we have the, the he'll bring scripture to mind and uh, saying this is the way of walking in it <coughs> excuse me and uh, another thing that has uh, given me uh, confidence and, and correction over the years, the scripture says that uh, God cannot hear our prayers if there's sin in our heart, iniquity in our heart. And so many Christians wonder why their prayers aren't being answered. They don't go beyond the roof because God can't hear them. He, he says, I will not hear your prayer if there's sin in your heart. And uh, so that's a, the Spirit checks my spirit saying, make sure we have a clear communication and uh, there's no iniquity or sin in my heart. That's a good point. Sometimes I'm reading scripture for a very specific purpose. For example, I can study the life of, of Jesus and I can see in John eleven thirty five it says, Jesus wept. And then I can look into Matthew 20 and says Jesus had compassion on, on a widow whose son had died. Or when John 2, it talks about making a scourge or a big whip and driving people out of a temple and throwing over tables of the money changers. And 
John 8, where a woman caught in adultery is thrown at his feet and he's supposed to pronounce her death sentence. And in the end, he says, you know, where are your accusers? Because they all walked away. And he says, I, I don't accuse you either. I'm not condemning you. Go and sin no more. I'm thinking these things reveal to me throughout the scriptures the nature and character of Jesus, what he was like, how he could cry and, and get upset and, and be, you know, aggressive but compassionate. And I'm going to ask him, are there different ways or methodologies of studying scripture that you found meaningful over the years? Or the, how do you approach the scripture from different angles? Yeah. Um, well, I'm always in a book of, of the Bible. I'm always working through the book of the Bible with a journal, writing down, um, learned long ago, what does it say, what does it mean, what does it mean to me? Um, what, what, is the detail, what are the details, what, what is the, the lesson or the command or the promise, and then what is God saying to me? And your dad, who was my first pastor, um, always said, you know, meditation on God's word is, is staying with the word of God, letting it um, kind of just like Roll it over in your mind and your heart until God reveals to you what it means in your life. And that's always stayed with me. You know, it's staying with the scripture. And sometimes, and as I've mentioned, um, so I'm always in a book of the Bible. Sometimes it takes me a long time (laughs) to get through a particular book because it just, because it's just kind of like verse by verse. Sometimes I go faster. Um, Nowadays, I, I listen to the Bible. There's so many apps now. There's Bible in a Year app, Nikki Gumbel, Alpha Guy. It's a great one. Um, if I just want to get through books that I might not normally go to, right? And I'm always kind of, you know, asking God, what's the next book? Where do I need to be? Um, I try to mix it up, not always stay in just the New Testament. I'm the old and all around. Um, and, you know, where, where is God leading me to be? But I've also always been in Bible study. Big plug for women's Bible study. Because that's a lot of the ways the Word of God got into my life and heart and, and guided my journey through the Scriptures as well. So, um, John, are there books in the Bible that people should avoid? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, you know, certain books can be disconcerting or challenging. If you're a new Christian, where would you recommend people start reading and where would they maybe need to stay away from until they get a little bit more time with God? Well, since my name is John, I, I, yeah. refer, <laughs> I, I refer uh, John. It's, it's uh, for a new, a new believer. You just uh, find out who Christ really is, that he is uh, God in flesh. And uh, it, it's so encouraging for uh, new believers, or, or I think it is, that they study John, learning of his love. You know, we all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And we say it so glibly a lot of the times. But if you really take it, uh, start ruminating on it. You know, all you uh, farmers know when a cow is sitting there chewing her cud. <laughs> And just over and over again, the chewing what they've taken in. And that's like John 3, 16. Uh, you just uh, keep going. Oh, what is it really telling you through the word? And it's so encouraging to see the great uh, depth of God's love for us as human beings. Neil, what do you think? Where should uh, people avoid and where should they start? Avoid. That's an interesting statement. <laughs> I mean, I'm with John. Uh, on John, uh, any place where it's building, uh, like, 
at church in Ephesus, how to walk with Christ, those mm-hmm. sort of things. But to avoid. Sometimes I want to say the book, the letter to the Corinthians. Uh, but other times I would say to some of the prophecies, to stay away from some of those right now. Just get to know Jesus, mm-hmm. and then you can start realizing, wow, all the prophecies have been fulfilled. Now there's prophetic ones going forward mm-hmm. that you can trust him in there as well. Mm-hmm. So, Kim, what do you think? Well, I, as John said, and Neil, um, Gospels start with Jesus, but also Genesis and Exodus. Yeah. I think they're so important. They're the foundation of a Christian worldview, the foundation of, of how God got this going, what does it mean to be in covenant, and how every book points to Jesus, right? Yeah, like, exactly. it's understanding Genesis and Exodus, I think, is really important, even though there's some tricky business in there, but you, what you see is that God works through messy imperfect people and his purposes go forward and how God interacts and initiates covenant relationships with God's people. And then you just see how Jesus came, bring the new covenant, you know, getting to understand the totality of scripture, Psalms, if you want encouragement, if you want to just know the heart of God and how man comes to the Lord and can pour his heart out to God like, like David did. Um, Yeah, those are all important. The prophecies are tricky because they're a certain genre and you can't read them the same way as you read the rest of the Bible. So you need a little bit of help with those. Um, Doesn't mean God can't still speak to you through them because I read Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all of that as a young Christian had no clue a lot of what was really going on, but God still used various verses I can still recall, I can still memorize from those passages. So it's not like you avoid them, but... Um, you need some other more mature Christians and some other aids, yeah. commentaries, online stuff to help you get through those ones. Yeah, avoid was the wrong word, but I think yeah. just delay. Yeah. Uh, you know, because a lot of people take certain passages out of the books in the Old Testament in particular and say God is just a horrible God. Like he's wiping out all of these, uh, these people, women and children, and, and, and battles, and he seems so vengeful vengeful and spiteful and on it's like he's cruel and mean and going wait 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 you you don't understand that he had 200 years of calling these people back to him 200 years he gave them to repent and finally they said no and so judgment came and it's a lesson for all of humanity that it's not that he's cruel he gave so much time he's a long-suffering god he's a loving god he's gracious god but he's also there's a line there's a line where he says enough. But if you don't know the bigger picture, the bigger story, and how everything is working towards love, that everything he does is out of love for us, then mm. you, you pick up on some of these older, uh, um, the prophets, and they seem so vindictive and cruel, but they're, they're not. They're actually bringing a word of hope and encouragement to people. And so that's why I say that when we start off, sometimes we should delay reading some books. We can read it, any book you want in the Bible. It's there for our edification. I'm not saying avoid them. I'm just saying some are trickier to understand unless you know the bigger picture and the context and the history. Uh, and that's why we have church. That's why we have life groups and, and Sunday school and Bible studies to say, let us help you understand what you're reading. Mm-hmm. Community and coming and, up. <laughs> and, and when I get confused... And when I'm in a book of the Bible and I'm, you know, I, like, there's a lot of question marks I write in the mm-hmm. columns sometimes too. Like, I don't quite get that yet, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm confused, I go back to Jesus. Like, yeah. I go back to the Gospels because mm-hmm. that's God himself. If you want to know what God's like, if you know what God cares about, go back to Jesus. And then that 
reorients me again, and I, I can um, be less bothered, shall we say, by some of the things that I don't quite understand yet. Just go back to Jesus, because that's God revealed. I appreciate that, Kim, because I think, too, uh, I, I like to take, when there is a difficult verse for me, mm-hmm. I take the clear verse. Yes. Yeah. The plain, simple, clear verse that I hold to and say, okay, how does that line up with this verse? Absolutely. So it doesn't complicate, it brings me back, centers me on Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and in that light, even with the, the, uh, the idea that God is harsh in the Old Testament and there's judgment and all that, is that Jesus is actually a picture, too, where he came first in love and reconciliation and redemption and grace and peace. But he's coming back, yeah. and there will be judgment. Mm-hmm. And it's like everybody could look at the Bible and get the same information, get ready for the future. We know how it ends. Uh, there's no secret. It's God is going to come back, and there will be judgment. There will be rewards for the faithful. And, yeah and condemnation for those that reject God. But um, what else would you have to so add? For new believers, I believe uh, it's, uh, Proverbs is so important. Yeah. A new mm. believer, if they haven't especially been raised in church mm. and don't know all the language and, and uh, what Christians expect of one another, and uh, go to Proverbs, it's enough for one a day all, for all <laughs> months, and just learn how to live. It's a spoonful at a time and you don't take a whole uh, stomach full of the scripture you just take a little bit in at a time and grow that's Mm -hmm. you know you don't give a new baby a whole steak you just give them a little milk a little chocolate and uh, or chocolate yeah you can but uh, (laughs) I've I've, uh, found that just going through the proverbs and first thing you know they'll come to mind so often in different situations of life Thank you all. I want to end with this because it pertains to prayer from last week. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Mm -hmm. If we want to know even how to have answered prayer, we need to first of all have his words in us and have his heart and his values and his ways and means in in our life. And then when we pray, we're praying according to his will and his Mm -hmm. heart.